where do behaviors of stress-seeking and over-functioning come from? As introduced in our last chapter, these behaviors are often going to be adapted from our lived experiences. If you skipped forward through the last chapter, I'd really encourage you to go back to understand the psychology of why and how we adapt such behaviors before we move forward. If you already completed that, let's move on to highlight some case examples of how we can adapt stress-seeking and over-functioning as behaviors in life. Let's start with over-functioning. Let's take this back to early life again, because again, this isn't always going to be the case, but a lot of what we learn and autopilot is going to be when we're children, when our brains are really developing the fastest. So if I am in a family structure where I am kind of surrounded by maybe a lot of change, or maybe there's conflict that pops up often, or maybe even chaos, and I find that among the rest of my caretakers or siblings that no one really seems that capable or confident in helping us steer through the chaos or the change or the conflict and everyone's kind of dysregulated and freaking out. Maybe I adapt by making sense of the situation and becoming the responsible kid in the house. I am the person who figures out what to do, takes care of everyone, or maybe I'm the peacekeeper or the mediator. I become the overfunctioner in the family in order to establish safety not only for myself, but my family unit too. And this is an adaptation that I will keep anytime I face conflict or chaos, that I will step in as the overfunctioner and say, okay, this is what I learned in my early experiences, right? Our nervous system says, ah, conflict and chaos. We know what role we need to take on. We're going to be the overfunctioner, take care of everyone. This is maybe even something that you noticed in this recent pandemic that we faced, where everyone else around you might feel like they were freaking out and didn't know what to do, but you immediately launched into this almost anxious response of needing to take care of and control everything. And in some ways that helped you find a sense of comfort and calm, but still you felt pretty stressed about every single thing. And how about stress seeking? Where does that come from and where can we develop that? One example from childhood is maybe if we, again, have more of a chaotic upbringing or there's a lot of change happening and shifting around us and things feel out of control, our nervous system as it's developing then learns, okay, the world around us is pretty unpredictable and there's curveballs and challenge and chaos all over the place. So instead of ever really getting to a grounded or settled place, our nervous system instead learns that fight or flight and the stressful state is what we know, what's familiar, and what we want to seek out because it's familiar. This is why when it's autopiloted, you will find yourself later on in life having a lot of trouble feeling comfortable when things are peaceful and calm. You'll almost feel anxious about that and be on the lookout, hypervigilant for what's going to go wrong or feeling like you need to get ahead of the next thing, starting the next project, doing the next thing so that you're not caught off guard by something. Again, these can be really good adaptations that help us navigate and even survive situations where they're adapted. But when run on autopilot from there, sometimes they start to get in our way. For example, at work, if you're prone to over-functioning and stress-seeking, if you are 
becoming a leader and it's one of your first leadership roles, it's going to be really difficult for you to delegate any of your work because you feel like you need to do everything for everyone and that you can't rely on others to be predictable. And that's going to result in you really being limited as a leader because as many of us know, when we have leaders that do everything for us, it makes us feel like we don't have a lot of purpose or that we don't get a lot of control or autonomy. This can also result in you maybe completely overscoping your work all the time, that you feel like you can't just have reasonable scope that's not completely stressful, that you're not delivering value unless you feel your nervous system in that fight or flight mode. And that's going to be something that gets really sneaky and becomes a slippery slope for burnout. Another example in personal life, if you are an overfunctioner or a stress seeker, is that you're really going to struggle to settle and stay grounded, not only in your personal life, but in your relationships, maybe in your family unit too. That's really going to challenge your ability to connect with and be present with those around you. If you are constantly uncomfortable when things feel grounded and peaceful, that means your brain's often spinning into these anxious worries and cycles of anticipating the next thing, and you're never really going to be present in a conversation with others. That's going to prevent you from building relationships, from others feeling like they're connected to you, and from your ability really to be able to enjoy life when things are going okay. How do these relate to burnout? There are again pros and cons, where in the short term, such behaviors reward us, but in the long term, without boundaries or limits, can breed burnout. Where they can be beneficial is when we get rewarded for being the extra capable, organized, in-charge person that can take care of everyone no matter what chaos. On the other hand, these behaviors can go past a point of diminishing returns, where they breed burnout in the long term. We become so narrowly focused and one-dimensional in stress-seeking and over-functioning that we aren't equipped to know when it's time to rev down until we hit that really extreme end of burnout. Why is this important to talk about? As we mentioned in the last section, it's really important to understand the roots of our reactions as a first step to change. It's one thing to know we have a behavior that isn't working, but it's another to know the specific roots so we can really actually address and change it. Also, it's again important for us to invest time in doing this reflective work on our reactions outside of the window when that reaction is actually popping up for us so that our brains are in a more regulated and conscious state where mental change can actually happen.